Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio with Frontline Mindset. We are joined here today, Dr. Peter Salerno, previous guest of the podcast, uh, not on this one here, this is our, our new Frontline Mindset, but um, Peter reached out to me a couple days ago uh, via text, actually probably a few weeks ago at, at this point, and brought up some good points. And one of them was uh, kind of finding the right fit for a mental health professional. Like, you know, you've, you've come to this crossroad where you're going to uh, seek some help, but, you know, where do you go from there? And it, and if, if it, like many people, this can become very overwhelming. So there's a lot of choices out there. And certainly this is one of those times where Google will work against you because you can become quickly overwhelmed with options. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Peter about this today. So Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me again. So... Let's uh, really quickly, for those who don't know who you are, who might be tuning in for the first time, let's just give everybody a quick background, if you don't mind, on who you are and and how we've kind of connected here. Yeah. So I'm a psychotherapist. I live in California, Southern California. Um, I come from a firefighter family. My dad is a retired fire captain. My brother is still currently uh, a firefighter and union president of his department. And so... I am definitely well versed in the, you know, personal aspects of what it's like to be uh, living and um, growing up among first responders, and my career and and the fire service or first responders in general just kind of intersected. I started doing a lot of trauma work, and um, that kind of led me to uh, write a couple of books that I found would be helpful for first responders. Um, very user-friendly, reader-friendly books, kind of an introduction to um, exposure to trauma on duty and how that affects life off duty and um, increasing awareness, mental health awareness, uh, because there is a, I'm sure you would agree, there's an epidemic of um, all kinds of things, suicide and just coping poorly and tragedy related to the job. So, um, and I think, I, I think you just reached out to me last year. Um, you stumbled upon my book or somebody sent it to you or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Fit for, fit for off duty. And it was, it actually made the rounds of the firehouse. People picked it up and read it. And there was a, like a lot of light bulb moments that were happening. And that's really what kind of brought us together is to have a discussion about that book. I highly recommend everybody go back if you haven't listened to that episode and, uh, and and give that one a, a go as well so yeah. you've kind of um since we've had a conversation about this you know and and this conversation is about mindset or the podcast rather is about mindset what what are some of the things that you've been getting some feedback on as uh maybe a potential hurdle that you know firefighters and and, and whatnot have been having when it comes to you know they make that decision what are they what are they up against yeah well i think one of the biggest challenges is um you know there's still the stigma associated with mental health and and um uh, nobody's fault i guess you know it's just part of the that's part of the the culture is you take care of yourself you know you're the you're the ones who do the helping you don't need the help so um but one of the hurdles is now it's it's been pretty 
pretty accepted that there's these services. I don't, you know, some departments offer services. They have contracts with um, agencies. They have contracts. They they do peer support type of stuff now. So it's not completely unheard of that somebody who's overly stressed out uh, might be seeking uh, mental health support. The problem that I'm noticing is a lot of people are like, well, I've gone a couple times. It didn't really seem like it was a good fit or I showed up and I really didn't know what to expect and nothing's really changed. So now what? Um, so I think originally when I first wrote the book, it was sort of to get people in the door, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, just give it a shot. Now they're like, well, I did. And I don't know if that was what I was supposed to experience. <laughs> so, um, I think it's a good idea for, um, as far as mindset and awareness to, to, to help people understand like therapy is not a one size fits all. Um, you are going to get a drastically different experience from clinician to clinician. So you kind of need to know what to look for in the beginning. Otherwise you're going to get, um, disappointed, discouraged. You're going to waste your own time. You're going to waste some money and it might just turn into this, this new stigma where, well, it just doesn't help. You know, I didn't get the help I needed. That's why, that's why I didn't want to go in the first place kind of a thing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think the, you know, I, I've said this before to other firefighters and, and first responders who I've talked to, like finding, finding somebody, uh, you know, a therapist, mental health professional, it's like a good pair of boots or a good pair of running shoes that are broken in, you know, or that feel that just feel comfortable on your feet. If it doesn't feel comfortable, you have intuition. You're going to know that something's not a good fit. And if it's not, like you can find somebody else because that's mm -hmm. one completely acceptable to do. Like there's no sense in, you know, I don't like to hang out with toxic people. So I'm not saying that, that person would be toxic, but like, yeah. you know, it's, if it, it's not working for you, I'm, and I think I've had probably seven or eight therapists throughout my professional career. Um, mm -hmm. not including all the fun trauma that my parents put me through. So, um, but you know, it's, uh, it, I think right before the pandemic, there was somebody who just politically were so at odds with my own personal beliefs. And it came up in therapy that I ended the, the relationship with the therapist because mm. it like, I have to be able to be a hundred percent myself with no judgment. Absolutely. And yeah. like, that's that a, person, that's a, it's a red flag right there. Yeah. So, and there was no, like, and I, and I was not sure because you like, I searched this person out. Like it took me a minute, but then the minute that I made that decision and I said out loud, I'm not going back to this person ever again, mm -hmm. a weight got lifted off my chest. And then I found like another door opened and I, I went out and got that opportunity and got somebody else to, uh, to speak to, which was a huge, yeah. huge help. And I would, I would highly recommend you know, vetting therapists, shopping around, almost mm -hmm. doing like an interview process because everybody, you know, therapists are human beings. They come from different backgrounds, you know, and it's really not like, I think, I think healthcare in general, you can get this idea that like, like if you go to an internal medicine doctor, for example, they have a certain skill set that you could pretty much guarantee you're, you're going to get mostly the same, you know, feedback if you're going in for a cough or, or a cold or a sinus infection or something like that, they'll either send you to a specialist or put you on a medication and you don't have to worry about their background or their personal history, you know, right there. Therapy is much different. 
like personal history, the reason why we get into this profession in the first place, it all makes a difference. We, whether people want to admit it or not, it's brought into the room. And so you really do have to rely on your intuition when it comes to, you know, sitting down with somebody and you have to feel like you can be, um, you know, a hundred percent transparent. It, it should feel very safe. It should feel very inviting. Um, no red flag should pop up. Um, so I, I think there's, there are some things that you can look forward to. And nowadays, you know, the, the convenience of online therapy, that's definitely, um, that's definitely a useful tool. At the same time, though, I would say um, it's almost like a lot of people have been treating finding a therapist like, like they treat dating apps. You know, you get like this picture and this little profile snippet and you think, oh, this is this is it. Right. Um, so you, you, you have to do some sifting through and and there's some trial and error involved before you find, you know, a really good fit. And um, there's some shortcuts I can share on what to look for, like in a yeah. profile, um, so that, you know, really what you're what you're getting yourself into. Um, so I would say, for example, um, whether you're going to therapy for personal issues, for uh, relationship issues, uh, for issues with family or, or children, um, issues related to, you know, stress, you definitely want to look for, um, as a firefighter, somebody who specializes in um, trauma treatment. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to therapy for, you know, healing from trauma, but you want someone who has the background on, you know, have, have they studied, you know, the nervous system? Have they, have they studied aspects of, um, you know, threat responses? Because those are things that, um, a therapist for a firefighter would need to know, and not every therapist is trained the same way. Um, so there can be huge chunks or gaps in, um, in what people specialize in. You know, we have a, something called the scope of practice, but that's different than a scope of competency. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing too is uh, each one of these are a little bit of a different thing. So it's almost for the firefighters, it's like you're, you're performing your own size up on what you're seeking help for. Like we approach a high rise building differently than we approach a single family dwelling versus a four story, uh, you know, multiple occupied dwelling. It's, you know, wood frame construction, right? So like all these things, I think when if I'm looking for something for my spouse, you know, that's a very specific um, mm -hmm. area to get into. So looking for somebody with this, uh, with this, uh, that's a trauma or an expert in trauma or has exposure to it is huge because it's just like you're, you're going to want to make sure you're selecting the right tool for the right job. Right. And honestly, a lot of firefighters come in and they'll tell me before they've, you know, had um, like an evaluation, I'm depressed or I have an anxiety disorder or I think I'm bipolar. And, um, you know, that's all well and good. You could do some research, maybe find some symptoms that align with how you're feeling. But most of the time when people come in with this preconceived notion of what's going on with them, it's usually inaccurate. Um, and so a lot of things look similar too. Um, so for example, you know, PTSD can look like ADHD. It can look like major depressive disorder. It can look like, you know, to a certain degree, bipolar uh, disorder. Um, so I think too, 
somebody who's well versed in in trauma therapy is going to, you know, alleviate some of this um, this fear that you you have some sort of a mental illness, right? Right, rather than something that's yeah. just been environmentally caused um, due to the nature of your work. So, um, a lot of peace of mind too when you just go to somebody who kind of knows how to deal with this this special population of firefighters. I, I often think of I'm having a normal reaction to a very abnormal situation in acute stress environments, you know, traumatic events that event go to a bad car accident. We have, you know, pediatric patients who have negative outcomes, uh, line of duty deaths, things like that, right? Um, so it's it's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And now we're dealing with it down the road, flashbacks, whatever the case might be. Right. Um, but then I approach it from the, I go into this, into speaking with somebody from mental health and, uh, oh, hey, I'm depressed. And I would relate it to the fire service of, we show up into a front of a building and we've always heard, we've, we've all heard this uh, report before, the building's fully involved. Well, the fully involved definition is fires in every room. Like the build, building literally is fully involved. But what we see is fire showing from the front. Maybe it's the outside exterior siding on fire. And we start putting water and we realize the whole back, of the house and the rest of the house is still very much uh, intact. But that first thing that we see is a wall of flames. And it's very easy for an incident commander to say, or, or an arriving officer to say fully involved, or maybe a, a cop, but that's because I've had police officers like saying fully involved. And we just got fire out of two windows. The building's not fully involved, but mm. um, that mental health professional is going to sift through what we're going through and be like, Hey, like you may have said, this is, depression but really what it is is you're having normal reaction to an abnormal situation and it's causing these side effects Absolutely. and it's just a, a good way to kind of like break this down so that we're not already behind the ball because like if i walk into if i walk into a therapist with the mindset that i'm already depressed and i have this you know mental health uh diagnoses that i've given myself I'm not really in a good spot to make good decisions and, and really fully um, accept what's the uh, solution to the to the problem that I'm having, right? Yeah. And another issue with that is if you're going to, let's say, a, a cognitive behavioral therapist who specializes in depression, their lens, it, they're going to try to validate your self-diagnosis because that's what that's what they, that's right. how their, their mind works. So it's not necessarily that they're, they're wrong. Um, or that they're not good at their job, but they might not be, you know, the person that you should be sitting with because they're always, they're going to have this sort of, you know, educational, uh, training bias, if you will. Um, yeah. so, and if you go in and say, you know, I'm, I'm fatigued, I'm lacking in motivation. I, I don't, I don't enjoy the things I used to enjoy. They could say, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's major depression. It's also trauma and stress, you know? So, um, you don't want to go to the wrong, um, you know, the wrong place um, because you might get validated, uh, and then, and then you have this belief that you have something that you really don't have, and it's going to be treated improperly, and things aren't going to get better. So, yeah. What's um? What are some other pitfalls that we find when we're, you know, like you? I think I think when in our conversation, you said you've had some patients come back, and they're like, "Yeah, like this was." I thought. XYZ was going to happen and mm -hmm. you know, it didn't like what, like what, what are some of the other things that we can kind of educate about when it comes to, you know, getting yourself in the mindset of, of, of approaching this mental health professional 
and yeah. seeking that help. So um, it it's not it's not a guarantee that you're going to feel better after your first, second, or third session. So I would say don't mistake that as um, not getting good quality care. I mean, when you think about it, if you've if you're doing something new, um, it's uncomfortable. It's it's unfamiliar. And so you're not going to get immediate results, you know, and whether that's like even working out at the gym or starting a new diet or, you know, whatever, um, trying to learn something new, it's not going to feel like it, it's really, um, you know, everything's aligning perfectly, you know, the first or second time I will say though, you should feel comfortable and safe enough with the person that you're sitting across from, uh, pretty immediately. Um, so that's definitely something to look for. I think you mentioned earlier, like, um, if you don't feel like you can, you know, really let your guard down and say whatever comes to mind because, because there's a discomfort in the room, it might be that the clinician is putting up a boundary or a barrier that's, that's inappropriate. That's not allowing you to fully, you know, relax into something. Um, but as far as like symptom relief, symptom reduction, um, be a little bit patient, you know, uh, a lot of therapists and a lot of companies that deal with treating first responders do have, I think it's kind of a sales pitch, like, like instantaneous accelerated results, you know, like immediate uh, symptom reduction. And I mean, that can happen. There are certain therapies like EMDR, accelerated resolution therapy that are literally designed to uh, reduce symptoms as quickly as possible. But again, that depends on your nervous system. So if somebody that you work with, for example, says, yeah, I went and did two EMDR sessions and like all my trauma is cured, that may be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen exactly for you too. You know, there's all kinds of variables that um, we're not aware of when, when we're starting this process. So I would say be patient. Um, if it doesn't like feel incredible, like the first time you leave the, the office, that doesn't mean it's not working. Um, you know, just give it some time. And, um, I would, I would be skeptical of, um, shortcuts in my line of work. If somebody can guarantee a shortcut, like it, it's, you know, I think we're way too complex to, uh, to expect something like that. Yeah. I think we, we talk about it on the fire ground, like there's shortcuts and, and tips, tricks and hacks. And we would just want you to, you know, learn, learn the job. Well, it's the same thing with, therapy like that anybody that's going to offer you that solution of a hey this that you know do do these three things and you'll feel better immediately like that's not exactly how how this works and also everybody's process is different mm -hmm. um I, I have a different way of learning than you do and mm -hmm. you know what works for me is not going to work for for other people there may be empathy in in the path because we're walking it um but my experience is always going to be different than somebody else's like it's it just uh, so like I what would you say like three to four sessions is usually a good measure of just getting comfortable and getting the baseline down and kind of starting to because like you in 45 minutes you're not gonna really be able to unpack all the all the stuff just to get us to to kind of start connecting dots and and getting to to the healing it, mm -hmm. it's, it's that that would be a I think an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, I, I would I would say three to four, maybe maybe two to three. I would I definitely like if you don't feel like 
comfortable enough by like the third session, I'd say maybe that's an indicator that you might want to shop around again. Right. Um, 100%. Yeah. Um, what are, so like, and, and this is probably going to be post holidays, but, mm -hmm. uh, or, but like what, you know, new year, new year's holiday, like there's, I think there's a lot of times that some stresses and emotions could be coming bubbling up for individuals this time of year and into the new year. Um, can, can you speak on, on, on that? Because I know like, I don't want to project my own stuff here, but like, I, I, I see it like people in the station, people that I just, just friends, you know, there's, there's a roller coaster of emotions that can happen on a, during this time of year. What that, Can we just kind of touch on that? Because I think it's, um, it's definitely something I'm noticing, but you know, mm -hmm. you're kind of referring to like, just like higher stress around the holidays and stuff like that, or. Yeah. Like I, you know, it, it's, uh, maybe like higher stress and then just like memories, like, you know, people are going to mm. be in their own spots. And so like, I know for some folks, um, family, it's going to like the dynamics may have changed and they, they, they could be, you know, this might be our first Christmas without grandma. This may be, um, you know, the, the moment that we've realized, Hey, like maybe things weren't as good as I thought they were when I was a kid, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, or okay, just yeah. a, a, that bad, like, you know, Christmas was always a happy time for me. And then I had this fatal fire on Christmas Eve and man, it's never been the same. Mm -hmm. um, or the New Year's Eve drunk driving accident that, you know, you know, like just some of these things that uh, maybe a holiday can trigger yeah. for, for folks. Yeah. Well, holidays, holidays and anniversaries, um, you know, they, tr they trigger, they, that's the type of stuff gets stored like in the cells of our body, you know, so people can, you know, a month can start approaching and people can start to feel physically different. I mean, we're not just talking about thoughts. We're talking about the entire nervous system, you know, um, at a cellular level, these things get imprinted and they, and they stick with us. And then when that time comes around again, we can start feeling a certain way. Um, I would say if you're not feeling the way you want to feel, you should go talk to somebody because you should be feeling the way you want to feel, you know, around a certain time. And of course there's things we can't control. Like, like loss and, and that type of stuff that's that I wouldn't expect anybody to even try to be in a in a good pleasant state if there was some sort of loss that that happened tra you know tragically or something like that but yeah. but um if you were okay like let's say in in November and now all of a sudden like December rolls around and you start to feel a bit off that's worth kind of investigating um yeah so. I, I I think you said something too that's really you know when when these anniversaries holidays like and you said that your cells are imprinted with this so it, like just to illustrate this fact for everybody who's a first responder if you don't think that this is not that you're doubting that this is a real thing but to put it in the known to the unknown think about the cat lady that you go to in the apartment complex who has low mobility issues and she has like 20 cats in the apartment and you know you've got to get her up on a stair chair and get her out from the bathroom Every one of you who's experienced that call right now can smell it and taste it mm -hmm. because you that like the, the smell of the pet dander and the cats and the litter boxes and all that things, all those things not being taken care of is immediately flooding back. Like I mean, like right now I'm in my office and I have a candle burning, but that's all I can smell because I'm, you know, it's like this is one of those things that you can just pull, pull like that. The same thing is going to happen with a trauma or a loss, especially in the holidays or that anniversary is that that 
is imprinted. So like it will come back. Like or it, it has the ability to come back. It maybe it will not. You know, that's that's. A, I don't want to say like that this will happen, but you yeah. know, it's that's the the power of that is is really a good illustration of of smelling that call or like the nursing home smells the same, no matter where, where you are in this country. Um, right. I have not been to one that doesn't smell. <laughs> well, the and, the, and the reason it comes back is because that's what our senses are designed to do. They, if there's something similar, our senses, you know, it's, it, we're going to, we're going to rely on that information and our brain wants to make predictions. So, you know, take the example of that call, you smell something similar or you drive by that same building, um, your, your senses are going to activate that memory so that it, it can take care of you. So your body can take care of you. I mean, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling to have like a flashback or like a sensory, you know, memory just come out of nowhere. But the intention of it isn't to punish you. It's actually you know, increase awareness that, you know, maybe this is something you should pay attention to, or maybe this is unresolved. Um, so that's another thing to consider. That's uh, why we don't touch hot stoves because we did it at one point and that memory was clearly imprinted that, oh yeah, yep. fire, bad, ow. Yes. Danger. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, jumping back to the, uh, the conversation on like, you know, new year, new, new me kind of thing. We're going to, we're going to start addressing some of these things. Is there anything else that we should be looking into as far as, or just like to be aware of as we're, you know, we've, we've made this decision. We want to, we want to get help. Mm -hmm. Anything else that we, we didn't, I don't want to say if we didn't cover it or that you can think of that comes to mind of what you've been hearing from either clients or people in the past who have said, Hey, like I did this and this didn't work out and I'm trying to figure it out. Like, we're, like cause it's, it sometimes people think it's me. I'm the problem. I, I screwed this up. Right. Like, yeah, I was just going to say, um, be careful not to personalize the experience. You know, I, I have had, I have, there's been a number of, of, uh, clients that I've seen who I'm like their third or fourth or fifth, you know, therapist, and they kind of feel broken or like there's something wrong with them. You know, they've tried it a few times and they're not feeling better. And so they make the assumption like, yeah, this must be me. So there's a lot of shame. Uh, there's some guilt, personal responsibility that's really unmerited. Um, and so I would say, don't be quick to self judge or, or self doubt, you know, again, it's like a very, it's a unique process and, and it's a unique relationship. Um, I think, I think the fire service in general, from what I've heard is doing a better job of, again, normalizing that, Hey, there's some things that, that we can't tackle on our own. And just like we help people in certain ways, there's other people who need to help us in certain ways. Um, so it's getting I, I mean, I don't want to make a generalization, but it seems to be getting a little bit more acceptable to go look. Um, but, you know, you mentioned childhood earlier and um, trauma didn't just start like when you started your career. A lot of a lot of people on the job have extensive histories of complex cumulative trauma that dates back all the way to the time they were born. And so... Um, your job might get you in the door, but there might be all kinds of other things that have just been lying dormant um, in your mind and body, uh, but are impacting you daily. So that's another thing is um, you might expect one thing in therapy, and then you might surprise yourself that there's a lot of other things that are going to be uncovered um, 
that require healing from back when you were a kid, things that you might not even um, be able to recall with your memory, but your body remembers. And um, that stuff is probably going to come up if you start to open up some doors. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, I, I like to think that we, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Dina Ali was talking about how like she and she's a a fire chief, and she was referring to things that we bring into the job with us, and how we're not, you know, able to handle or not. It's not handle. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this horribly, and Dina, I apologize. But like, we have to be prepared to deal with those employees as they come in with their own traumas and and make them aware that hey like you can have this from your childhood and it is it is something that is uh that is bubbling around and you then then we're gonna we're gonna take that baggage that we've had you know that backpack that we've filled up and then we're gonna add some more stuff to it and now they're gonna this is not a it's like bringing tequila into a party it's never a good time you know mm -hmm. i mean and if you like tequila god bless you but um <laughs> So, yeah there's a one other thing i was gonna flip back because i've got my notes here and i just wanted to make sure i didn't miss oh, i think that's uh yeah that's it whatever it was it slipped my thought because i think the guys are outside banging on on <laughs> doors just to bang on stuff but um uh what else do we what else do we got as as far as like other things just to kind of be aware of is there is there anything else that we're missing or that we should kind of touch on that you're like just like hey like we gotta like i've heard this and we gotta make sure that this doesn't happen yeah 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 i would say um so if you're gonna if you're gonna look online for a therapist um well one thing that might be a good idea is if you know anybody who's who's been to a therapist and they had a good experience, you know, that kind of word of mouth referral, uh, you know, that's not a bad idea to, to check out, you know, um, I would say things to look for, like in a profile online, like if you're just Googling, cause you mentioned earlier, I think before we got on recording, like Google can just confuse you even more and just, you know, make you really discouraged. Um, I would say look for EMDR therapists, um, accelerated resolution therapy is like a new type of EMDR on steroids where, um, quicker results, apparently, um, any kind of trauma informed specialty. And there are lots of therapists that predominantly work with first responders. So if you're a first responder, I would say find a therapist that has extensive, you know, experience working with that population because, um, it's not a one size fits all. Every therapist's mind is different. The way they perceive things is different. So if they've done a lot of work, a lot of sitting with first responders, um, I would say your best bet is that they'll be able to help you more than somebody who has no experience working with firefighters. Right. And I, so I know um, Jeff Dill from the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. He talks, he's usually my first phone call if I've got somebody who's seeking help. And we're trying to find a mental health professional because there's a there's a lot of times where EAP may have been the first stop in somebody's mm -hmm. journey on this. And they're like, yeah, man, I just had this horrible call and all these bad things happened. And now I want to describe them in detail. And next thing you know, um, the 
representative from EAP is turning green. They passed <laughs> out, going on, you know, because this like we're being open and honest and we're here, right? But that, that this person is not ready to hear yeah. the sights and the sounds and the things that we saw. Um, so he, he talks about like making sure there's somebody who's vetted in that and that's part of that vetting vetting process. So right. you're looking for EMDR, uh, and what was the second one? Um, excuse me, accelerated resolution therapy. Okay. Or, uh, and and just going back to the EAP thing, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything disparaging about anybody, but when you are relying on a service like that, where it's like this kind of quick fix, and you just get assigned to sit with somebody, I mean, that's no way you want to handle right. your health. You just don't. I mean, and sometimes it's just like a necessary, quick, uh, you know, crisis preventative thing. Uh, but you want to be able to feel like you're in control of choosing who you're, who's going to take care of you. Um, you know, I've heard firefighters say, or paramedics say, when I go on a call, the patient, uh, the victim is in such good hands. Like if they knew that, that I was going to show up, they would feel immediate relief because I show up and I, 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 I'm going to give them the best care. Right. And I think that you should have that option to choose, you know, not just somebody to sit in a room with, but yeah, I think this person and then have an opportunity to vet them. Mm -hmm. And I think too, the other thing is when, uh, one of the things that just popped in my head about EAP and when you approach EAP, if you're sent to EAP from work, uh, and, and it's like, if somebody's like, Hey, here's a card. You should go talk to somebody. And you're going to do that. Um, use EAP as your network of like, it's, it's a more focused Google search because one thing that I have had success with is walking into EAP and being like, Hey, I have this stress going on and I'm upset, whatever it might be. Do you have somebody that you can recommend that I can be mm. speaking with because mm -hmm. I feel like we're going to cross a line where I, like, I don't want to be in a, the, they're always like, Hey, like, no, it's okay. I'm here to talk. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to know that the stuff that we're going to talk about involves death and dying and the trauma of what I've seen, both in the physical trauma and whatever I'm dealing with. So maybe there's somebody that, you know, that has, you know, that can help me. I, I, I appreciate your help as well, but like, I don't want to, gross you out or and and usually that's been like the moment where they've been like you know what you're right uh let me let me get i'll be right back and they get a couple you know names and numbers of people who because they they know the lingo and i've kind of laid out the groundwork of what's i'm, mm -hmm. I'm aware of it but like it's it's a way that you can kind of use maybe eap to get you to the next step so that it's not um because you know that it, it, it's the first resource that you come across great and if you are in crisis, it is absolutely better than nothing mm -hmm. at all, maybe. But like this yes. is a, this is a way to it's a stopgap to get you to where you need to go. Yeah, and and yeah, you're you're saying to advocate for yourself, and you absolutely yeah. have the right to do that. Um, you know, you could say this is the this is what I'm looking for. Do you do this? If they say no, and say yep, yeah, give me some names of people who do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing to to advocate for yourself for sure. All right. So EMDR accelerated uh, resolution therapy. Um, can you just kind of hit on that? Cause I've, I've heard of EMDM, uh, EMDR, but not mm -hmm. the accelerated uh, resolution therapy. So they both use, um, 
they both use a technique uh, called bilateral stimulation uh, to reduce activity in the threat detection part of the brain. The way they do it is a little different. Um, I'm very, very late to jump on the bandwagon. I, as far as social media and stuff, I neglect my own Instagram and all that, but I, I just made a YouTube video that explains bilateral stimulation. So, um, that would be a good idea, a good tutorial to, it explains exactly what it does to the nervous system, why it works, the science behind it. Um, but essentially, um, when we are reducing activity in the amygdala, the threat detection part of the brain, while we're focusing on a traumatic memory, it allows us to move from um, feeling to thinking, from overwhelm to logic. And so um, it kind of creates a new pathway out of this, this negative loop to uh, experience the memory in a way that's much more tolerable. Um, that's kind of the, the nutshell version of it. EMDR does it. Accelerated resolution therapy has sort of modified the EMDR process. And so they, they do it in a little bit of a different way, but the, the bilateral stimulation technique is pretty much the primary tool for both of those types of therapies. And, um, there's some research research to suggest that it mimics, um, what goes on during REM sleep or low frequency sleep stages. Um, when our brain is moving information from the day into long-term memory, trauma memories get stuck in a loop. That's why they don't get resolved. That's why flashbacks and stuff like that happen. And this technique basically, um, you know, resolves that problem and puts the, puts the memory and the information where it belongs in the brain. So it's almost like having an unorganized desk and being able to file everything away in the correct spot to help yes. us because that's that's really what's happening right like we've got so much in front of us we can't sort it out but those that that's that continuous loop of that trauma mm -hmm. keeps like so it's like oh hey i want to clean pick up my coffee cup i want to do this and then it's like traumatic event and it derails yeah. and then we still haven't addressed any of this disorganization over here which would right. be like normal living right that could be mm -hmm. just sleep eating you know, physical activity, but that's, it's, it's literally helping us. It's like an organizational expert coming in and being like, okay, first off, we're going to take this coffee cup off your desk because it's gross. Uh, and yeah, now yeah. we're going to do this. And then when you're like, but trauma, be like, hold on, we're, we're going to get there. And I, I, I like using the example of like a, like a cell phone and iPhone. <clears throat> it mm -hmm. takes the memory from the inbox and it puts it into the archive. So you can retrieve oh, it if okay, you yeah. want. Like you, if you, if you type in an archived email, you can get it back again if you feel like it, but it's not intruding, you know, without your consent. And that's pretty much what these therapy, uh, uh, trauma therapies do is they, they archive it for you. So you can have access to it on your own terms, basically. Versus ruining family dinner or <laughs> yeah. like what I had the one morning when I had the flashback coming back home from work. Like it's, yeah, you know, um, very, very good stuff. Awesome. What what else? What what else do we got? Like, is there anything else that you want to hit on? Or, um, I mean, I'll I'll self promote my book. I think the book yeah. has been extremely helpful. Uh, it's a very short book. It's under a hundred pages, large print, uh, very firefighter friendly. I've had um, 
a lot of great feedback about it. And in that book, there are some self help techniques. Um, if you're not like quite ready to take the plunge to go to someone, or you maybe you don't need to yet. Um, there's some grounding and self-regulation techniques that you can do on your own, um, wherever you are, uh, that just take a few seconds and they basically create like a, a systemic relaxation in your nervous system. Um, those I would say that I wouldn't refer to those as shortcuts, but they're definitely like little, little self-care hacks that, that can be useful in, in certain situations when you can't get to a, a therapist. I was, I was just going to say, why is it important for us to have those grounding, um, those the skills and, and being able to ground ourselves? Because I think that's one, like, I'd like you just to kind of touch on that real quickly, if you don't mind. Well, you never know when you're going to be triggered and we all get triggered. We have good and bad triggers. Trigger isn't a bad word. Trigger mm -hmm. is means signal. Our body will signal, send a signal to our brain to pay attention to something good or bad, right? So if a certain song comes on the radio when you're in the car and it it's connected to a really positive memory, you're going to all of a sudden feel that type of energy in your body. If it's a song that reminds you of something tragic, you're going to all of a sudden feel that type of memory in your body. And so you want something at your disposal that's like an easy resource that's not toxic, that's not harmful to your body to just be able to do, you know, at your own disposal, um, just to kind of recalibrate and reset if you if you get overwhelmed uh, randomly or out of the blue. Awesome. And then, like I said, and this is uh, fit for off duty. Yes, for fit off. for off duty. Yeah, right. Um, highly recommend this book. I, like I said, I've, I've I've read it myself several times. It's uh, and and I've watched it go around the circle of the firehouse. In fact, it's something that like our our senior firefighters, if you will, because we're a young department, are giving to our new probationary firefighters to read. Oh, that's um, awesome. So it's it's one of those things where there's there it's like it's really it's becoming a you know I call it the library book because it's something that comes out and it's passed around. So that's highly really recommend cool. that. Um, what uh, what do you have coming up for for yourself as far as is there anything other than the book? Like, do you have any events that you're doing? Content that you're putting out there? Uh, yeah, like I said, I just um, I'm just gonna finally getting on the ball to do regular you know posting on uh, self help tips and things related to like you know brief lessons on trauma on YouTube. I have a, a brand new YouTube channel, um, and so I'm gonna be posting regularly on YouTube and Instagram. Um, I'm in the process of collaborating with um, a company that works with first responders, and we're gonna do another book that's gonna be more of a workbook. Um, so rather than information, like um, kind of like a, something that you can take with you that actually has exercises and stuff like that as well, which will probably be out um, sometime next year. So. Awesome. And where, where can people, where can people find you? Yeah. Um, well, my Instagram is, is at Dr. Peter Salerno. Um, YouTube channel is the same Dr. Peter Salerno. Um, books, you could find the books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and then if you want to reach out to me directly, you can, you know, find me on, on Instagram. Um, uh, all you can you can email me anytime like i love hearing from people i love hearing that the book was helpful um you know even we it's kind of similar in, in your profession you don't always get the the positive outcome like results or like hey 
you know, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of, we kind of, that's where we stop, um, the intervention. So it's nice to hear from people that, Hey, this, this, this really resonated with me or this, this helped me a lot. So I, I welcome genuinely welcome, uh, people reaching out to me, contacting me. Before we wrap up without mentioning names and obviously the confidentiality, is there a, is there a favorite, has there been an experience from the book that you've been like, yeah, like this one was like, when I think about it, like just makes you smile because you know, like they, they got back and they were like, yeah, like I've whatever, I read the book and this, this happened like, and it was pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did work with one, um, one young man who, um, was just really, really, really hard on himself and had a lot of, um, issues related to even the quality of his, he, he questioned the quality of his performance at work and stuff, even though he did a great job, he just had a lot of self-doubt and we did EMDR and, um, I, it actually took me by surprise. I think it was like, I like our fourth or fifth session. And when we were saying goodbye, he just turned around and, and he said, um, I, I mean this sincerely that your book and this, the work we did saved my life. And it was just like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, there's nothing better than that. That's incredible. Well, Peter, thank you for coming on the podcast today and, and kind of bringing this to light and reaching out because I think, like I said, I was excited to get you back on and kind of follow up on some of these things. It's been, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And I uh, said, like I, I can't thank you enough. I hope you have a good holiday season and a good 2024. It's, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't try to compete with 2020 at all, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you. This is Rob frontline mindset with national fire radio, Dr. Peter Slerno, check out his book fit for off duty. It's something that should be in everybody's library as a firefighter. We will see you guys out there. Stay safe until next time. National fire radio.